Good morning. Welcome from Bethany Lutheran in Warren, Oregon. Today I'm preaching on Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through chapter 10, verse 20. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, for they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. The names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon, the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, Give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey, no two tunics or sandals or a staff, for laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But it, if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. See, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. When they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for you are for what you are to say will be given to you at that time. For it is not for you to speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Not too long ago, I watched a movie about World War II orphans. 
Immediately after the war, the Allied armies gathered up many hungry, homeless children and placed them in large camps. There, the children were abundantly fed and cared for. However, at night, they did not sleep well. They were restless, tense, and afraid. Finally, a psychologist stumbled on a solution. After the children were put to bed, they were each given a slice of bread to hold. If they wanted more to eat, more was provided, but this particular slice was not to be eaten. It was just to be held. The slice of bread produced marvelous results. The children would go to sleep, subconsciously assured that they would have something to eat tomorrow. And that assurance gave the child a calm and peaceful rest. More tomorrow. Isn't that really the basic longing within each of our hearts? To be assured, to know someone has our back. In today's gospel reading, we see Jesus calling the 12 disciples. Sometimes we forget that these 12 were only the start. They were, so to speak, the inner circle, but they were not the 12 Lone Rangers. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 6 tells us that after his resurrection, Jesus appeared to more than 500 of his followers at the same time. Acts 1 verse 4 tells us that Christ Jesus, before Christ Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples to remain in Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to come and rest upon them. The chapter goes on to say that they returned to the room where they were staying. Now, we think of this room as being called the upper room, but actually it's more like a guest apartment in a second floor area. And Acts 1 verse 15 tells us that there were about 120 believers gathered at that time. A little over a week later on Pentecost, that group increased by 3,000. By the time the last of the original 12 died, roughly 60 years later, about 100 AD, there were an estimated half million followers of Christ. By the end of the second century, only a hundred years later, there were almost 10 million Christians. By the end of the third century, all heathen temples and shrines were destroyed or converted into church sanctuaries. By the close of the ninth century, there were more than 100 million Christians. And today that number has grown to over 1 billion believers around the world. None of this growth would have been possible if the early Christians had not been excited and supported, supportive of missions. And if the original disciples had not prayed, as chapter 9 verse 38 says, for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. But it all started with 12 ordinary people who answered the Lord's call to follow him. One commentator described God as a gatherer. He designed us to be in community. 
he gave the first man a partner because it was not good for him to be alone. Mankind quickly brought sin into the relationship and muddled the community. And since then, human communities repeatedly come together and fall apart. It got so bad that God destroyed all but one family. He saved Noah and his family to start a new community on a renewed earth. Unfortunately, they no more than stepped out onto dry land and started sinning all over again. So God started a new community. He started with an old couple, that is, Abraham and Sarah, and miraculously expanded their family into a new type of community, one that would be set apart from the rest of the planet's population by a special blessing. Through this newly gathered people, God promised to bless all nations. So it would seem natural that Early on, Jesus would call together a community among his followers. He knew they would need each other's support in this world. They would need reassurance to face the next day. In fact, when God calls someone to be his disciple, he never leaves them alone. He helps believers find each other, so we have our community support in our walk with Christ this side of heaven. Now, did you notice in our gospel reading that Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The very next verse says, he called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits, and to heal every disease and sickness. We're told the disciples' names, and immediately Jesus sent them out on their first mission trip. He tells them to pray for more mission workers. Then he tells them that they are the answer to that prayer. So this support that we receive within our Christian communities is not just for us. We are supported so that we can be a blessing to others, so we can carry on Christ's work in this world, so we can tell others where to find the support they need for this world and the next, so we can direct lost people to Christ first and then to a Christian community to support them in this world. Jesus loved his disciples, then Jesus sent his disciples. Jesus loves us, and then he sends us. The second verse in our gospel text reads, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. The Greek word for compassion refers to that deep emotional feeling located in the bowels of one's humanity. The feeling you would have for your daughter when her pregnancy ends with a miscarriage, when the spouse of your best friend dies, when you watch your elderly parents suffer through cancer treatments, that deep, deep compassion. 
that is the kind of compassion that Christ wants us to feel for those who are waiting for someone to bring them the hope found only in him. My friends, those people are all around us. They are some of our own families, our neighbors, our friends, the people with whom we interact daily. I had a conversation this week with a volunteer chaplain for our greater community. He said that in Southern Columbia County, we have an average of three suicides every day, daily. And at least one of those every day will be completed. He's been a chaplain with the fire department for many years. He said drug overdoses and deaths are the highest he's ever experienced. With a fentanyl epidemic, our rescue workers are dealing with five to six life-threatening overdoses every day. Every day. I'm not talking about downtown Portland. I'm talking about Scaphoose, Renonia, St. Helens, Rainier, Columbia City, our communities. These people are running on empty. They're desperate for relief from life's problems. They need to be assured of a more hopeful tomorrow. Like the World War II orphans, they need a slice of bread to hold. Our neighbors, our community needs the bread of life that is Jesus, and they need it now. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest field is our backyard. You are living in the mission field. Those waiting for someone to bring them a word of hope and love are the people you already know. Now, I know by now some of you are thinking about avoiding eye contact with me or maybe turning this off because I can hear you. I know where this is going. Pastor's going to say that we have to go out and witness in our communities. but I don't know what to say. I haven't memorized Bible verses. Well, you're partly right. Let's look at the first missionaries, the original 12 followers of Jesus. First, these disciples were not religious professionals. They listened to Jesus and believed what he said, but some of them did not even believe at that time that he was the Son of God. They were common, ordinary, lower and middle class working people. Some of them could quote Old Testament passages and others could not. Second, they had an attitude of compassion. They watched Jesus and his compassion for the lost sheep of Israel. There was no criticism nor condemnation, just a recognition of their need for a slice of that bread of life, their need for what Jesus was offering. Third, when they witnessed, they told about the power of God in their lives, and they spoke it with authority, with no doubts. Jesus commanded all his followers to be witnesses. 
So today I'm going to help you figure this out. First, I want you to get a piece of paper or a note card. And I want you to write down 12 names of people, family members, co-workers, people with whom you volunteer, club members, neighbors, people you know who do not go to any church anywhere. Now, put this note or card on your refrigerator. If you do a daily devotion or read your Bible daily, put this card in your Bible as a reminder to pray daily for these people. Pray every day for the people on your list. Then start inviting them to church and keep inviting and keep inviting until they show up or tell you to stop. Now, this is a three-part lesson. So be sure that you're listening the next two Sundays because we can lie down each night and rest easy knowing we have a future in Christ Jesus. We know there will be enough Christ to fill our souls tomorrow. But there are people in our communities whose spirits are starving for lack of hope and love. And we are prolonging the suffering of others if we do not share the bread of life. So let's start serving up a foretaste of the feast that we will find in heaven. Amen.